Welcome to the Barry Trammell Show. Todd Barry was a quarterback at Miami High School and the University of Tulsa who went into coaching, was a head coach at Illinois State, Army, and Louisiana Monroe, and Barry eventually replaced Grant Taft as executive director of the American Football Coaches Association. Barry soon will retire, but he's been a strong advocate for coaches and has strong beliefs about the state of college football. And he joins us today. But first, we want to thank these sponsors for supporting The Barry Trammell Show. Next Generation Roofing, Weedman Lawn Service, FireLakeJobs.com, Oklahoma's Ford Dealers, Oklahoma's 988 Helpline, and Two Fellas Moving. I like helping people move. It's one of my few talents, but I'm the oddball. And that's where Two Fellas Moving comes in. Two Fellas offers free, no strings, quotes for your move. With over 20 years experience, they've pretty much moved it all, and their services don't end at moving. Need to do some remodeling or spring cleaning? They have you covered with dumpster rentals and junk haul services. Remember, quotes are free, and there are no strings attached. If you're moving in Oklahoma, make sure to call the fellas, twofellas.com for your free quote today. And we welcome in Todd Berry. And Todd, thanks for joining us, uh, fellow Oklahoman. You, uh, of course, uh, went to high school in Miami, played at the University of Tulsa, went into a long coaching, but your, your, most, recent, your most recent duty has been advocating for coaches as the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association. You soon will be retiring. Uh, tell us why uh, you're, you're stepping away from your post and what uh, what led to that decision, and and why this is such a pivotal time for coaches in uh, in college football? Yeah, uh, first of all, probably a couple of years ago, I had a really really bad bout with COVID, and kind of and probably pretty fortunate in the sense that I got put on a ventilator. Um, you know, there was ninety other individuals in in the hospital that were on ventilators. Uh, with me at the same time, and unfortunately, I'm the, I was the only one that walked out, and so that that was part of it, I think, in relation to saying, you know what, I've got some things that I want to do with my wife and I, uh, my wife Lisa, and and so I, I think that was a big part of it. But there's also, I, I think, um, I, I had suggested when I took the job that I felt like this was an eight to ten year job. Uh, you know, obviously, I was a, a head coach in college for a number of years, and um, and because of that, I had an, a, a really good feel for what was going on. And I think I still do, quite honestly, because I have a lot of uh, you know, head coaching friends that are my age right now that, that are in college football. And, and I talk constantly with them in my role. Uh, but, you know, I, I felt like that they're always you always need to have a deep connection with what was going on, uh, hands on, on the feet on the ground type of things because of all the, the changes that were happening from an NCAA structure. And, and that's been one of the bigger problems, Barry, as you, you kind of alluded to, is the fact that uh, the NCAA is going through some major changes. And, you know, we haven't kind of been forced an awful lot of rules that were in place. Uh, there's been a lot of changes in relation to how we uh, view the student athlete. Uh, quite honestly, I, I, you know, again, I'm retiring <laughs> tomorrow. And, um, yeah, I'm disappointed. I, I think we've lost collegiate sports. I think we've lost amateur sports. I think there was – a, a way to do this to be able to help the student athletes because uh, I agree there should be some NIL opportunities to put some guardrails up. And quite honestly, at that point in time, we had people 
at the NCAA office. We had decision makers that didn't want to get uh, into that. They felt like that, that we should just open this thing up. I, even as late as this last summer, I had an athletic director at a Power 5 school go, Todd, this is, you know, you're, you're really exaggerating the problems here because, you know, there's a couple kids at universities making $10,000. And Barry, I'm here to tell you that is not the case. I mean, uh, the going rate for a really good quarterback in the transfer portal right now is a couple million. And I, I just don't think that that's right. I think we're going to end up having an awful lot of uh, programs, especially some of our uh, lower level or not lower level, but lower division programs that are going to drop athletics entirely, not just football, but athletics, because they're they're tired of having to put up with it. I think we're going to see um, – a group that's going to pull away and in the process they're going to make student athletes employees, which I think would be a shame because that's not going to solve the NIL problem. They think it is, but you know, um, booster Johnny at state U he's still going to want little Joey to come to his school and he's going to still be willing to pay the NIL money. that's different than the NFL. So there's a lot of frustrations going on right now. And, and quite honestly, I'm tired of banging my head up against the wall on a lot of these matters because I don't think there's some people that get it. I don't think there's some people that want to even try to fix it because they do get it. And there's other ones I think are, are uh, motivated by some other uh, motives that I, that I think are nefarious. So uh, that that's, that's part of all of what's coming down. I think right now, one of the challenges for Craig Bowl, our new executive director at the AFCA. When you when you look at, at what's going on um, with the changing portal, the changing NIL, all that, what I see is a lot of restlessness among the coaches. Um, even the coaches with the best jobs in America seem to be in a uh, in a state of uh, a little bit of upheaval. We've seen coaches leave Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, Alabama for one reason or another, whether it's retirement or we're going to another place. Is there a spirit of uh, you know, of fear is the wrong word, but a spirit of restlessness among among uh, the people in your profession. Well, I don't think there's any question that there is, and I, you know, I, I think that if we look back throughout collegiate athletics, this has happened several times to where we basically let the boosters and agents, in this case, but boosters in particularly, become in charge of athletics. And I, and I think that what our coaches are seeing right now is that, you know, quite honestly. You know, the, the university president doesn't matter as much now. Uh, the athletic director doesn't matter as much now. What matters is that group of boosters because they're the ones that are basically going to buy the players uh, through these collectives. And, and so you have to have boosters that are willing to understand that. You know, I, uh, Barry, I, I get calls from, you know, coaches all the time. I talk with coaches all the time. We obviously had our big national convention where we had 12,000 coaches there, and I'm responsible for that. Um, but you know, I have coaches that have called me and said, you know, Todd, I've got a, got a booster that's out of control. Tell me if you know somebody that's dealing with this kind of thing, you know, he just bought me a fullback and I don't even have a fullback in my offense. Uh, boosters that have basically asked coaches to go down through the list of all the, you know, the players that they were going to play in the upcoming year. And, uh, because it was his intention to try to buy all those players off those other teams so they that that his team wouldn't have to play against them uh and and so consequently i think 
when you see some of the restlessness, when you see some of the changes, sometimes it's not that they don't love the university or the fan base or, you know, their players there. It's because they recognize already that maybe they have an internal problem with the booster that they need to get away from. Or maybe it's one of those things to where, you know, they have a booster organization that's not being helpful to them to, to try to recruit players. And so I, I think there's an awful lot of other things that are, are right now uh, motivating our coaches to do things that maybe they wouldn't have done four or five years ago. What does the AFCA want to see done to, to alleviate some of the pressure and, and reverse some of these trends? Well, I don't think any of these things are surprises, quite honestly. I, I, I really get frustrated sometimes when I hear, well, these were unintended consequences. I'm like, unintended means that you didn't know that it was going to happen, and all of a sudden it, it happened. Uh, th- these are things that I think were expected by our coaches. And so, you know, first of all, I, I would like to see, uh, you know, kind of a, a restructuring of the NCAA to be able to make, to put more individuals in the room that actually knew what was going on. I think we've, uh, I'm a part of most of those organizations. And so I can speak to this, I think, truthfully in the sense that quite honestly, we've had a lot of people that are in the rooms that have no understanding of the rules, current rules. And when we're having to spend the first 30 minutes of any meeting talking about what the current rule is, because the people in the room don't even know what the current rule is, you've got a problem in them making a decision on what the next rule is. I think secondarily, you know, when it comes to NIL in particular, and we're talking name, image, and likeness, we got to have clarity and transparency. And clarity means that we we need to, we've always asked for as coaches, and actually it looks like the NCAA's finally wised up to it. We need to have some kind of national database, uh, some kind of national registry, because what's happening right now is that, you know, um, an agent, a student athlete basically comes, uh, contacts another school and says to them, hey, I have, you know, a uh, current uh, contract with, you know, XYZ company and it's for this amount of money. Can you do better? Well, the problem for the uh, the school that's now recruiting them is they can't, uh, they, uh, they can't look in to see if it's valid or not that XYZ offer. Okay, or even the money or whether he's actually signed a contract. And so you have these agents that are basically leveraging false things, trying to get more money for their their student athletes. And that's creating some of the problem. I think secondarily, um, we've got to have some kind of consistency across the board uh, from state to state. And as we all recognize, you you have states that have different rules on NIL. And it's very confusing, I think, for the student athlete and for uh, the collegiate uh, institution. And uh, so I, I think that makes it difficult uh, for them to kind of move forward along those lines. Uh, so I think those are two things along those lines. And I think in the transfer portal, which is the other part of this that I think is very difficult because this is forcing the movement. We're already seeing graduation rates come down. I don't understand why we never coupled transfers with, with, uh, higher academics. We are academic institutions and we're supposed to be about them graduating. And we're seeing that stuff, which we've been very fortunate to uh, have great graduation rates. We're starting to see that come down. And I think there's a possibility that you'll, you could see a graded scale for transfers and saying, you know, you got to have this kind of academics in order to transfer. And if you transfer a second time, then it's got to even be better. And a third time, it's got to be even better. 
And then at the very end, you know, when you graduate, we're, you know, we're going to make you set a year until you can prove that academically you're the way that you should be. And then at the very end of that, if you end up graduating, then you get that year back. And that way the student athlete's not out any time. I think it's a very reasonable request for an academic institution for people to prove that they're worthy of being at that university and can academically handle it. They do it with every other student. I don't know why student athletes would be uh, a different uh, type of student. Well, one of the, one of the issues um, that's going on, you, you hit on a lot of things there, but um, when you talk about the registry and the false information, that's clearly, I think, uh, going on. Um, we're talking about the marketplace, and it seems to be a sort of a, uh, I don't know, black market's the wrong word, but it, it is sort of a secret society of, of marketing. When you, the, uh, the explosion of coaches' salaries, that's been fairly public. We don't really sit around and wonder, well, what's you know, Lincoln Riley making? What's Dabo Swinney making? We know. Is, is that part of the problem um, when you talk about trying to bring light to what some of these actual numbers are? Well, yeah, I, I think it is. I, I think if you talk with athletic directors right now, many of them would say that, you know, the money that used to go to the athletic department is now going to the collective to buy the players. And so I, I think it's reasonable to suggest that as we look forward down the, uh, down the road, you know, in the past, Barry, you know, if you wanted to be successful, which obviously these are multi-million dollar enterprises and they're generating significant amounts of money. But if you wanted to be successful in the past, what you would do is you would uh, you would spend your money on facilities, right? Because that would help you recruit, and you would spend it on coaches, right? Because they were the ones that you could. That was your way of being able to change the needle to have success, right? Recruit better, be a better facilities, have a great coach that could get you the right players, and then obviously the right schemes and so on. I think as we move forward, I think that this is certainly looks more like an NFL model. And while I'm not degrading the NFL coaches, when you can pay the players, uh, what ends up happening is the players end up making all the money. And so you don't spend money on facilities. I mean, it, other than the Dallas Cowboy facility, if you go around the country, you know, most of the NFL facilities are not very nice. They're spending the money on the players, you know, the, the, the coaches' salaries are not huge. Uh, they're good, don't get me wrong, but they're not huge because they're not that competitive nature. The, the, the reality of it is that, you know, they're reasonable because you can pay the players. I think we're seeing the exact same thing in colleges right now because I think every athletic director would tell you that they're, they don't have an influx of money into their athletic program right now. And so for all those that said, oh, this is going to be great for the Olympic sports and this is going to be great for women's sports, I would suggest to you that they were completely wrong on this because this was this was the rational outcome. You take you give them opportunities, boosters opportunities to give money, and and it doesn't have Title IX responsibilities to it. Then those those guys are going to end up many times they're going to give the money to football, maybe to basketball, but football is going to be the king. In the in the past, they gave that money and it had to be split, you know, because of Title IX. Uh, the athletic department benefited, the other sports benefited. So I think this has been terrible for the women's sports and for the Olympic sports because we're not seeing the same kind of inflows into athletic departments right now because that money is, again, going to buy players. Is it the NFL model? Clearly, I, I agree with you. It, that seems to be where we're headed, um, you know, 
buying a linebacker instead of building a building. But is that necessarily a bad thing on the football end of it? If the if the money, your points about Title IX are well made, a lot of fears about what this could do to, to overall athletic departments. But on just the football end, is that a bad thing? If more p- money goes to the players rather than the coaches? I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. I, I, the, the one thing that I would caution against here a little bit is – uh, you know, it, when you're comparing, and, and many do, this employment model that the NFL has in relation to what the collegiate one, which is obviously not an employment model currently. And they're, so they're thinking, well, you know, we can put caps on these things and all that. And that's true. I mean, you, you know, you could uh, let the players unionize. You could come to some kind of agreement from a collective bargaining standpoint that that suggests that, you know, here's the cap that we're all going to operate underneath. The problem with this is NIL again. You know, the NFL teams don't have to worry about NIL. Patrick Mahomes, whenever he does a commercial, uh, he's doing that commercial not because somebody wants to see him at the Kansas City Chiefs. He's doing the commercial because somebody's business thinks that that would be good for their business, right, to have him appear. Sort of what NIL is supposed to be. Well, yeah, exactly. But that's what's different in college is – uh, again, while you might come to some kind of employment status, the reality is that the NIL money is still going to be out there. And again, uh, you know, Booster John is still going to want little Joey to come to his school. And so it won't be about the business side of this. It will be about, I want him to play for my team. And, and so you have these de facto owners to some degree. I think that you know, as, as uh, again, as we look at this, and I've, I've used this analogy, maybe it's not appropriate right now, but, you know, I, I wouldn't pay a nickel to have dinner with Justin Bieber, right? Somebody else would pay a million dollars. And the course actually, that, you know, and that's fine. Because the thing about NIL is it's all in the eye of the beholder. You know, when we start talking about products and services, I can't go mow your lawn, Barry, for $500 because that's not the going rate. Well, that's what's interesting about NIL is there is no going rate. And so the, it's never you're never going to be able to cap the NIL money because that is, again, it's all in the eye of the beholder, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with the dinner. And so you can't cap that. And, and that's what's different, I think, about, you know, the NFL and the collegiate uh, NFL model and what the collegiate model could look like if we went that direction. Mike Gundy says that one potent, excuse me one potential solution would just drop the pretenses don't make don't make athletes employees but sign them to contracts bring them to campus and say here's a two year contract here's what you're getting in an IL whatever whatever he said the the biggest problem for coaches in in his mind is just the roster management not knowing who's going to be on your roster two months from now six months from now, eight months from now. It's not a yearly thing. It's almost a weekly thing in terms of roster management. When you talk to um, your your members uh, of the AFCA, is, is roster management and just the unknown of the transfer portal with so many windows, how big of a problem is that? Well, it's huge. Uh, and Mike, is, you know, uh, for those that don't know Mike well individually, he's He's a very, very smart guy. He's a very much a deep thinker. And so when Mike talks, most people listen uh, because he 
he's given some thought about it and he's a very intelligent guy. And, and I, I agree with him. I think that's one option in right out there is just to say, you know what, they're representing the school, uh, but not in a way that basically they need to be necessarily going to school. And these are not pro players. You sign them and, and you go on, you know, many of our coaches have suggested, you know, we need to get rid of this scholarship thing because this, you know, they're, why are we giving them scholarships and money, right? Let's just get rid of scholarships uh, and, and and go that direction with it and give them NIL money because that's, you know, it's the scholarship that's on top of this thing that, that clouds everything, especially for those institutions that, you know, uh, you may be a private institution that you got to pay $100,000 a year in order to attend. Well, you know, that's stuff that more money that the university has to raise, uh, you know, to, to give. I, I think that, uh, the, the point in this is, like you said, is roster management. And one of the things that our coaches suggested was we wanted portal windows. You know, when we, when it, when this was in its infancy, we just we said, if you let this thing go on every day, this is going to be ridiculous because you're going to have kids that are going to be transferring for money, even though a lot of people at the NCAA office, I'm not saying the NCAA person, I'm talking about the athletic directors and membership, basically, the the university individuals that make up the NCAA. You know, they, they didn't believe that. And and so they finally kind of came around to, well, yeah, what we need is we need some windows because this is ridiculous. We got kids transferring all the time every day. And what, to Mike's point, is that you don't know who your team is at this point in time because while we have portal windows, and I think it does help that uh, coaches to know you know, who's in, who's out. The reality of it is there's never a closure date to it. So I'm at University X. The The spring windows opened. I lose 30 kids, which is not an unheard of number right. to the portal. Well, they have between May and basically the first day of classes to decide if they want to stay with me or not, right? They They might enter the portal, but that doesn't mean that there's a declaration. And so what you have is you have this bidding war that goes on all summer. And obviously, the closer you get to preseason camp, the more value that individual has because there's less time to get somebody else in their place. And so I lose a left tackle and I don't, you know, um, let's say my left tackle is in the portal at the time. He doesn't have to decide until basically he starts school someplace else. You know, unfortunately, right now, because the way the rules are, he could actually start off at at my school at Barry University, okay, and then go. You know what? Eh, this thing's not working out. I I understand there's an, a left tackle at Trammell College, and you know he got hurt. I'd rather be at Trammell College. So right in the middle of preseason camp, he could transfer to Trammell College and be eligible that year because school hasn't started. That's something else that the kids, student athletes, haven't quite figured out. But uh, that that is possibility. And so, you know, when you start looking at uh, what Coach Gundy was saying, he's absolutely right. You have no idea who your team is going to be until that last minute, until you're basically until classes have started. Can we can we fix that part of it with just calendar adjustments and 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 limiting the portal window? I, I think you can do some of it, and we have obviously. You know, we put the portal windows in. That was something our coaches had asked for at the very start of this. Uh, but unless there's some kind of closure date, um, 
you know, one of the things that we've suggested as coaches is we would love to see, just like we used to back in the old days, is every June uh, your whole football team would sign their scholarship. And so that way, if all of a sudden, you know, from an academic standpoint, you know, uh, you didn't do well. You went out and you did something bad as a student athlete. I robbed a bank. You wouldn't renew the scholarship. Okay. And so that happened every June. And then we kind of got into this thing of, well, you know, we need to take care of the student athletes. They need four-year guaranteed scholarships. Even though there wasn't, you know, you couldn't um, cut a player for not being a player. <laughs> you know, the reason why you cut him if he was doing bad things. But we got into this mode of all of a sudden, you know, we've got to, you know, uh, uh, kind of a, a little bit of a uh, kind of a communist mentality in the sense that here you've got this and we can't take it away from you regardless of what you do. And and so in the process of basically creating that that four year thing, then there's been this kind of mentality that you know that that uh, student athletes don't have any kind of responsibilities. There's no reciprocity back to the university. And so right now you can't hold them accountable for anything. You can't say, hey, listen, you've got to work out in order to be a player. And the player says, well, I don't want to work out. You can't really kick them off the team because they got a four-year scholarship. Even if you do kick them off the team say you can't come back, that counter still counts against you. And so there does need to be, I think, some reciprocity in this and the saying, hey, listen, you don't get everything for free. You've got some responsibilities to make yourself a better player and make yourselves a better student, to be a collegiate student. And right now the coaches don't have a lot of ability to be able to enforce any of those things. And so, uh, consequently, student athletes are kind of driving things. And so, thusly, if we, if we don't get back to some kind of June signing to where it says, okay, at this point in time, I'm coming. I'm, a, I'm at your place. You're committed to me. I'm committed to you. I'm going to get my NIL money. I'm getting my scholarship. I'm getting all these things. And then in, in, so in, and in return, I'm staying with you. And if I leave to go someplace else, then I'm going to be ineligible that year. And I, th- I think that's reasonable for us. To think about, I think anybody in business, anybody uh, with your own children, you're going to have <laughs> those are reasonable asks that all of a sudden that there's some levels of commitment. This is uh, clearly this is the current landscape makes the job tougher than it's ever been for college football coaches. I mean, Absolutely. they've got more on their plate. They've got, it's a 365 day a year enterprise in terms of monitoring your players, your roster, all these things we've been talking about. On the other hand, uh, they've been royally compensated sure. with uh, the, the, the salaries have gone through the roof. Um, how much for the overall tone of what college football become, has become uh, are the coaches salaries and in some ways the coaches own um, own uh, flexibility and, and jumping jobs, uh, breaking contracts, those things. Do they share some of the responsibility or, or how much how much of what we're seeing is the result of coaches just doing the same thing uh, before the players had the chance to? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. Now, I, I would suggest to you, too, that, you know, when we start talking about that group and, and everybody's affected by this, obviously, I'm talking about the head coach, the assistant coach, but also the every levels. And, and, and so consequently, when we look at that those top 30 programs, and you might go top 60, the money that they're making is significant, no question. But when you look at the rest of our coaches, if you look at our FCS coaches, if you look at it, you know, 
uh, the other levels, the the 98 percent other group, they're not. And they're still having to put up with all this. Right. That's been created. And, but I, I do agree with you. I think one of the things that is different, I, I noticed this about Jim Harbaugh's contract was a, a slight buyout. But you, you look at Kalen DeBoer, who just left Washington and went to Alabama. And, and I, I know that a lot of people say, oh, the student athletes, you know, um, you know, they should have the same opportunities as the coaches. And I, I get some of that. I, I'm not against the transfer portal. Matter of fact, our coaches have supported the transfer portal. We want some guardrails, but we've always supported this idea. So we haven't been against necessarily the transfer portal. We've been against how it's been operated. Uh, but, you know, Kalen owes the University of Washington $12 million, right? And so he had a contract. And yes, he broke his contract. But yes, in in breaking his contract, he owes the university twelve million dollars. I don't see any players owing any universities twelve million dollars when they break their contract, basically, to go someplace else. And so I think when we say that they're similar, there certainly are some similarities. Are they completely similar? No, because we're not. There is no uh, again uh, punishment for breaking the contract currently with. You know, uh, and we have to be careful about that because I, I don't agree that that there should be they should be student student athletes should be employees. I don't I don't feel like that's the right model. I think it'll uh, really dramatically change how universities how many universities support football. As you well know, Barry, you know, in the United States, it's pretty interesting because we're the only country in in the world where the university sponsors sports. Right? right. I mean, that's. All the rest of them kind of focus on being educators and not, you know, uh, being involved in sports. We're unique along those lines. And so we're seeing this business world and this academic world right now collide. And I would hate to lose the academic part of it because I know, you know, the interesting thing about coaches, and Barry, you, you, you've talked with enough of us over a period of time. What's interesting is we were student athletes at one time along with being coaches. And so we can we see this thing from both sides. It wasn't like all of a sudden we don't remember what it was like to be a student athlete. We all understand the value that we got out of getting the education that we got at our institutions. And so, you know, a lot of us were in collegiate coaching rather than NFL because of the fact that we, we had something special happen to us in our collegiate space and our collegiate environment. And in the process, uh, we, we want to try to return that favor to the student athletes that we're working with, hoping they would have some of the same great experiences in college and some, and maybe avoiding some of the pressures that uh, an NFL contract brings along with it. Well, Todd, we're out of time, but this has been a fascinating discussion. And um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if uh, college football can get back on its, on its bearings or when it will, but uh, uh, thanks for your work. Uh, throughout this uh, long, long career in college football, both as a coach and as a an advocate for coaches, what are your what are your retirement plans? Well, I told all the people yesterday I was on football oversight call, and I said, "Listen, everybody's got my cell number, and if you call, uh, if you call on Saturday or past Saturday, then you, it better be about fishing." Because past Saturday, I'm not talking about this stuff anymore. So now I'm going to do some fishing. I'm going to take my wife on vacations. You know, Barry, we haven't been on, on vacation in eight years uh, because of just the nature of, of kind of the NCAA and all of these crises that happen. And so it was just impossible for me to really get away. So I'm looking forward to taking some time away with my wife and my children and 
visiting some people that I haven't seen in a long time. So we're really, really looking forward to this. Well, fantastic. And as you told me, you've, you, you're retiring to Tulsa. So uh, still keeping those Oklahoma connections very tight. Hey, thanks for joining us, Todd. My pleasure, Barry. Thank you. And remember, you can now access us via the Sellout Crowd app. Just go to the App Store and search Sellout Crowd. And if this is your first time hearing or watching the show, be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review. And of course, you can read me every day at BarryTrammell.com, across social media, and on SelloutCrowd.com. Talk to you next week.